got the Merle Haggard blues today. I write songs when I feel this way. I grab my guitar and I play. I got the Merle Haggard blues today. Spooky greetings to all of you. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. And that lovely voice, well, music is courtesy of my friend Bobby Mackey. Before I jump into this week's episode, and due to scheduling episodes ahead of time, I know this is going to be late, but I want to mention all the people being affected by Hurricane Dorian at the moment. I myself was in the Bahamas and Florida just days before Dorian came along showing his ugly head. I have many listeners in Florida. It's actually one of the top states that listen to to my podcast. And some of my guests who have been on before in the past are actually from Florida. So, you know, my thoughts are to everybody out there. And I know by the time this episode is actually listened to, (laughs) we will know the outcome. And I pray that there is no more loss of life or devastation. It's scary, you know, these tropical storms. This Colorado girl is definitely not used to that. But I unfortunately became familiar with it when I moved to North Carolina and living here part time and we had to evacuate for Hurricane Florence last year. Hell, even for Dorian, us here in North Carolina, we're on edge. We really are. We're ready to evacuate if we need to. I went to Walmart yesterday to do some shopping and the shelves were barer than a tree in the dead of winter. I kid you not. It was very ominous, very spooky. Felt like part of the twilight zone. So, To my Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina listeners, my thoughts and prayers are with you all and your furry loved ones, of course. Let's kick Dorian where it hurts. Now, speaking of hurricanes and tropical storms, I have someone joining me for this week's episode. He's a paranormal investigator out of New Orleans. And I could only imagine that he has had his fair share of these horrific brewing storms. Michael Bill comes highly recommended from a dear, sweet, mutual friend, Kari. Michael has been the lead investigator at 1022, the Dependence, for four years. You can also find him working at his dear friend Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum, where he hosts classes on the paranormal and ghost hunts. Michael has been in Vogue magazine and the Travel Channel's Haunted USA on Liana Vamp's show, Ghosted. His experience includes Universal College study of Paranormal 101 and 102, demonology classes with the Archbishop of Maryland, and of course, countless hours of self-study and practice. He has investigated several phenomenal locations, many that we will talk about later on. 
Hey, Michael Bill, it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. You know, we have two special mutual friends. Sweet as can be, Kari, and then her amazing uh-huh. sweet daughter, Chris Dahlia, um, who I know better as my childhood years as Christy, a person that is deeply missed by so many, and now we find a friend in each other. Yes, yes, we do, yes. That's amazing. Thank you for having me on. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Michael, share, if you will, your first encounter with the paranormal, your introduction, if you will. I was working for a company here in town. I was a tour guide. I was a ghost tour guide. And the owner, who was a paranormal investigator and did several paranormal investigations, uh, came up to me one afternoon when I was in the office and said, Michael, Bill, you want to be a paranormal investigator? And I really didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, does it pay more? I said, yeah, it pays more. I was like, oh, okay, well, sign me up. I didn't realize what I was actually signing up for. I did I never watched the ghost shows, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. And they don't really teach you many things. So, um, first host was at a place called the Conti Wax Museum. It's no longer there. Mm. It's been there for many, many years. And wax museums are kind of spooky anyway. <laughs> And so the first night that we were there, that we were, we had guests that came, and uh, it was at one time it was a garment district, and it burned down, and some of the children had died in the fire. Oh. Uh, they had they didn't have labor laws back then, so you know they had the children in the garment district, and uh, I had a guest, and uh, I thought she was fine. She asked a good question. She seemed normal, but about ten minutes into the investigation, she got really upset <laughs> and was actually acting out and all of a sudden she disappears and I hear an alarm going off well she had gone outside to the fire escape to go get more drinks <laughs> oh, <laughs> we don't allow drinking <laughs> we don't allow drinking on here in, in investigations you know right. because of that reason and I wouldn't let her back in. This is my very first test. I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I studied the equipment. I studied, you know, the um, core concepts, but I didn't know how to handle a, a person while I was on a hunt like this. So I went and got in the lift. There used to be, in, once it was a garment district, it would turn into like a, a regal beers. Beers, they had their uh, warehouse there, and they would take the beer, put it on the lift, and move down onto the truck. Well, I got onto the lift, and I leaned up against the back back house like is this one true and I you know am, am I faking it I didn't really know what was going on all of a sudden a light outside went off a dark shadow moved across the room and the lift shook violently and I didn't realize that the lift had chains on it so it was like ghosts and chains and I started to freak out I ran downstairs to see if anyone was messing with the lift the bottom part was still in there so I would bring guests onto the lift if it would happen we step off the list and it would stop. And I did this for like two, two or three groups. And we had it, there were videotaping, but one of this guy got on with the KG meter and he was touching it to my shoulders and to my legs and it was going red, which meant it was EMF or that's how we kind of detect spirits. He goes, they're on you, dude. I didn't realize what he meant. What he meant was that for whatever reason, whatever spirits, maybe they were the children's spirits, had attached themselves to my to my physical being. And when I would step onto the lift, the event would happen. When I would step off, it would stop. And that was the very first true paranormal experience that could not be explained. We had it all on videotape. It was like, it blew my circuits. 
I didn't realize what I was getting into or what I was signing up for. So that was the very first powerful experience I ever had. And it was the very first hunt I ever did with the Concert Wax Museum. Wow, that's an incredible introduction to the paranormal, Michael. And, you know, you. Right, you know, you're throwing in a drunk trying to escape the fire escape to buy more booze. And I, and, you know, I'd be like, I'd do what you did. Uh, No, I'm sorry, that's not what this is about. Well, you know, we want several people on a guy's you know, or a paranormal investigation. We want, you know, we want to see things as they really, really are, not made up. You know, through the use of drugs or alcohol, so she broke the cardinal rule, so, <laughs> you know, so, right. uh, that was my very first experience, and then it's been a whirlwind since then of uh, investigations all over the city of New Orleans, uh, investigations all over the, um, the country, and uh, our own investigations here, uh, our, our private ghost science that we do here, and we offer services to people that would like to come and experience the paranormal, you know, if, we're, if they're lucky, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, you know, spirit, we don't control them or anything like that, we just encourage uh, their communication, and I kind of believe that's what spirits really want to communicate with us. Right. That's what's frightened by the unknown, and I think communication is what they really want. I couldn't agree more, Michael. And, you know, it's 2019. More and more people are becoming more open-minded when it comes to the paranormal, you know, where several years ago it was like just this frowned upon kind of thing. And, of course, there's still people like that today, but more and more people, you know, there's more people investigating, more people becoming intrigued by it, more TV shows. You can't, you know, put the TV on and go through the channels and not find a paranormal TV show, you know, that is dealing with that or the supernatural. So it's definitely becoming a huge thing. And that's awesome. It should be. And like you said, communication, that's what they want from us. And So living in one of my favorite places on the planet Earth, the Crescent City, a place where there is certainly no shortage of locations and landmarks to investigate, where, Michael, are some of your favorite places to go to and which have proven to be the most active? The Angie Jackson Hotel on Royal Street. Now, the Angie Jackson at one time wasn't there. The hotel wasn't there. One time it was a boys' school. And... Some people say that the fire of 1794 started there, but it didn't. Mm. It started somewhere else. But back then, mortality rates for children were very high. You had yellow fever call. I mean, if you lived to be 30, you were lucky. And it was torn down after a hurricane on the same year as the fire of 1794 happened. But when we went and investigated, and <laughs> me and my partner, we were in supposedly the most haunted room, and we had gotten nothing all night. We were doing a preliminary hunt. And we had a box called the SD-11, and it's made by um, Premeasures, Gary Velka. And we had it going, and I was laying in bed. I didn't think we were going to get anything. And all of a sudden, my partner goes, are there any teachers here? And immediately, we heard a voice that said, come and find us. Oh. Now, <laughs> it's clear the bell. I have the evidence. And it was like... I mean, everything on my body. I mean, everything stood for right now. I rose up out of bed, and I was like, well, where are you? Can you tell us where you are? <laughs> we can't find you. And then all of a sudden we heard the back house. Well, the Angie Jackson has a back house. 211 and 210. And I believe that those two <laughs> haunted rooms 
when we did the, when we did the event there, we had a millimeter, and millimeters have a chemistry gauge on them. And we videotaped this woman was asking, quick, can you make it go down to 50? Can we go all the way down to 50 and stop? And then whatever number she asked the meter to go to, this is a temperature gauge. Right. It would go to, the room wasn't changing, the air in the room wasn't changing. The spirit was using, was manipulating the energy around the machine to cause it to change. It was the most amazing thing and the best evidence I think I've ever caught anywhere. Because we all watched it. <laughs> it was like, we watched it. It was sitting on the table with no one touching it. And there's no way it's going to act like that. That device does not do that unless it was paranormal. Right. We don't really get evidence there. We've done, we've done four ghost hunts there, public hunts. And it is the most haunted, it is the most haunted hotel, hands down, in the entire city. And it's right here in the heart of the French Quarter. Actually, I don't know if I have a lot of work Incredible. So I, I think that one is a very, very haunted location. Uh, another location would be 1022 Royal Street. Uh, we call it the Dependencies. Uh, it's actually, the front house is a Creole cottage. It's owned by a woman named Claudia Williams. And for the last, well, for five years, um, me and my partner had, uh, we did a paranormal investigation there four nights a week. We would invite people in. It's kind of like a class. You know, we teach them and then we'd apply. We'd go on, like, quote unquote, the hunt. And uh, I saw some things that we just could not explain. Now, we debunked a lot of stuff, too, but there was a lot of stuff that I could not explain. You know, we had light coming, balls of light, electrical balls of light coming out of a bathroom that had no electricity in it. Mm. I mean, uh, just, you know, really, really good evidence. And, uh, you know, of course, we collect it all and keep it all. And some of it's on my webpage, but just amazing stuff. And uh, that place is <laughs> you know, it's a, it's uh, it's a, it's highly haunted. I mean, it's got five residential spirits, and, and it's just it's weird. It's just bizarre. It's, I don't know what it is about that spot, but most if you think about this, your is three hundred years old, right? Right. The closer you are to the river, the more haunted it becomes because people would have died close to the river. The original quarter only went up to Bourbon Street. That was it. So the cl- the closer you are to the river, the more it seems to be haunted. So. 300 years is a long time, and lots of people died. Absolutely. You know, in so those are probably the two most haunted places here. And there's just, I mean, I, the list could go on and on and on. I think ghost times at Villa Convito, which is another house, uh, another uh, inn, a Florida Mansion. Just the list really gets on the Haunted Museum on the Rampart Street. And then, you know, of course, then there's, we have cemeteries. We have cemeteries. So, and there's a rest of the zone now, too. So, those are probably the two most haunted places here, I think. Of. Right, and that's awesome. And see, New Orleans, I think I'm so drawn to it because it's places like that where literally every step you take, whatever's in front of you, whatever street pavement structure there's always a story behind it there's like legend history something happened there and to me that is just phenomenal so when you get such a super haunted city I always like to see what the locals 
think like you know where their spots are that they prefer and you know that is most you know telling to them so that's really neat to hear and you mentioned the cemeteries you know a few weeks back michael i did a cities of the dead episode and i touched on some of the burial rituals and the history and personal experiences of some of the new orleans most beautiful cemeteries which cemeteries are your favorite and did you have any experiences investigations or encounters there in the cities of the dead that you'd like to touch on and before you do you know really for me i've been to so many of them but one of my favorite is one of the least visited there is saint rock cemetery such a gorgeous place i love it there it's amazing i just i could spend all day at these places and i do spend all day at these places but oh there's just something about being there you literally like mark twain said you're in the cities of the dead <laughs> i mean they're like the, the st rock cemetery is probably my it's it's one of my favorites it's yes. very haunted it, it's uh it's known to be quote unquote the voodoo cemetery um the reason is is because sometimes we'll find you know, offerings made to some of the Buddhist spirits out in that cemetery. It has a beautiful chapel, which is the shrine of St. Rock. And St. Rock is the man, is the saint that cures incurable diseases. Father Davis prayed to him uh, during a yellow fever epidemic and asked that St. Rock uh, protect his entire flock and that he would build him that shrine. And St. Rock came through for him. And that shrine is absolutely beautiful. It's covered with ex photos, which are like plaster arms, plaster feet. You, know, you, you give that to the saint, you know, when they performed a miracle for you or did you a favor. But that place is so haunted. Yes. Um, I, I, on the, and there's two on this Campo Santo, Campo Santo 1 and then Campo Santo 2, which is on the other side of the street where this, uh, Mortuary Church of St. Michael is. And we used to go there all the time. I mean, just all the time. And just wander the tunes. And I was there by myself one day, and I was, I knew the sexton who runs the cemetery. He had left because I heard his truck leave. But then I could, I was walking around like kind of fast because it sounded like something was following me. Like hmm. I could hear footsteps. And I thought maybe it was just someone visiting the grave. So I kind of made like a big circle so I thought I would get behind whoever it was. Well, I could hear someone kind of murmuring, like they were talking, but I couldn't hear it. wasn't like audible. Mm-hmm. And I could hear them right on the other side, of the, where, where at the corner, and I was getting across from them. I went, "Look, there was no one there." And I mean, it was a it was a person's voice. I couldn't make out what they were saying. But when I turned around and looked, one of the tombs they had locks, like keys. Some of them do like a key lock and that's how you open it and closure, a big closure tablet. And the closure tablet was cracked open. So it kind of gave me the willing so it left quite quickly. But I think one of my favorites and what we truly call here in the city the most haunted cemetery is St. Vincent de Paul. St. Vincent de Paul is in the lower bot in the Vile Water. It's up on the Lewis Street and it is the most haunted cemetery in the entire city. Um, people never doubted the angels were holding spears and swords to guard the tombs and they are life size Uh, the queen uh, queen marie the gypsy tinkage queen she's buried out there and Pepe Lula who was he was the master of 
Yes. You know, I mean, they're monoliths, and it's just spooky out there. It just is. Um, I never really had, like, a big paranormal experience there, but just going out there, you can feel the souls all around you. It's kind of a neglected cemetery, and no one ever goes there. And I think when you go to cemeteries like that and the spirits are there, they all kind of, like, congregate around you, you know, because they want to communicate, right? They want to talk. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've heard what sounds like tapping, knocking, coming from inside the tombs. And we'll do these EVP sessions where we'll ask, if there's someone here, can you make a knock? And we'll hear something that sounds like it's coming from inside the tomb. You know, maybe it's just they're trying to communicate with us. I never really got any, like, really good EVPs out there because it's outside and it's kind of noisy, but knocking things going on all over the place. And it is a very spooky cemetery. It's very, very haunted. And it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it is amazing. I've posted some um, photographs of it on my Facebook page of the how big the tombs are, and the angels are just huge with swords and spears in their hands. It's like, whoa. You know, they're guarding the tombs. It's, it's absolutely an amazing and forgotten cemetery. People never go there. It's so beautiful and it's so haunted. Those two are my favorites, yeah. Oh, that sounds phenomenal. Yeah, that's one of the, there's so many cemeteries there, you know, and that's one that I've never been to. So next time I go there, I will definitely have I'm to check it out. I'll bring you, I'll take you myself yes. down there. We'll take, a, we'll take a spirit box with us or something. We'll go oh. there. I would love that. Yeah, that's, it's a date for sure. I, I love that cemetery. <laughs> I just think people don't, you know, it's, it, you need a guide. You need someone that knows the neighborhood, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, because so, it's so secluded. It's just absolutely amazing there. It really is. Definitely looking forward to that for sure. And now, Michael, I want to talk a little bit about water ITC. It's a unique method and something that has deeply interested me. And you sent me a picture a while back, and it was mind-blowing. Right. Yeah, it's very weird. And so I kind of really want to hear more about water ITC and what it is exactly that you do and describe some of your results. Well, water ITC, um, I didn't know much about it. Uh, I, I, I like ITC research, instrumental transcommunication. But I've been watching videos on it, and itcvoices.org, they have a lot of articles on it. So I was reading it. Basically what you do is you have a light source, and you have a pot of water, and you agitate the water, and you ask questions, and you'll see the spirit's faces in the water. Now, I've seen you take photographs while you're doing it. And I've seen some amazing evidence, but one night we were here, we were outside of the pool, and we don't have a light inside of our pool at all. And we, we I wasn't really even thinking that we were doing ICG research. I had a friend that's a medium, and she had her feet in the water, and she was agitating the water. And I was just kind of taking pictures of it, and not really thinking of what I was doing. And then we got just some amazing results. Uh, where that pool used to be was the old uh, pe- uh, enslaved people's quarters. Lots of people would have died in this one area. Wow. And the house, I'm, the house I'm living in is haunted anyway, but it looks like a corpse coming up out of the pool. And the light source around that corpse is not coming from inside. It looks like it's coming from inside the pool, but we don't have a light in the pool. Yeah. And, and then right behind it, it looks like another type of spirit, like a like a... A female spirit. So uh, 
had a sense of friends. She found four more spirits she saw in there, circled them. She imagined me, like, what about these? I was like, wow. Incredible. So, uh, ITC research is basically, it's simply that. The water ITC is simply that. You know, it's, it's having a, you can do it inside your home. Most people do it on the stove and you use the light source from over top of them. And then they have a camera and they just use time-lapse photography or they use it like a burst and ask questions while they while they agitate the water with their fingers and it started in Greece um, it was used as a divination tool and uh, it works it's just weird and so we're doing some more experiments to see you know what else we can get I'm really kind of new at it so I have a lady that's the same lady that was the medium she's Catherine she's going to come over uh, in the next few weeks and we're going to do some more sessions and see what happens, see if we catch more evidence. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty an amazing thing, but it's very simple, and it doesn't cost anything, and it's not like a ghost box, you just get a ghost box or anything like that, it's very simple. I've seen some amazing results from others, and I think what we got was amazing as well. Absolutely, yeah, that picture you showed me was pretty phenomenal. You guys, it might be something to check out and um, test out on your own. I mean, I'm always like looking for different ways to communicate and that seems like a really neat one and like you said it's free you don't need fancy equipment you don't need whatever you could do it in the comfort of your own home even you don't have to go anywhere for that so how convenient is that (laughs) it's all for me it's all about experimenting yeah you know i mean that you know experimenting and seeing different what works for one person may not work for the other right you know i mean but, but experimentation is is really the i think at the forefront of paranormal investigation as in this now, you know, I think the more we experiment and we find out what works and we find out what don't work, what doesn't work, and I think that's important that we experiment all the time, but this, they've been doing water ITC uh, for a long time, it's just, just some amazing, amazing things, and it's, it, and it's free, you know, it's not something you have to have this group of paranormal equipment for so right. Very awesome, for sure. Now, Michael, you've studied demonology with the Archbishop of Maryland, which is really impressive and phenomenal. And I find it really fascinating. What can you share about this incredible time in your life, the world of it, demonology? Well, it was, a, it was a class. It was a simple class. It's not, it doesn't make me a demonologist. So I just make that clear. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make me a demonologist. It's a layman's class on, you know, the aspects of demons, what demons do, what they don't do. And uh, it's a very layman's course. I think he's even got it now online, but uh, it's very simple. And you know, there's you know, there's a little stuff quiz at the end, kind of. You know, I wanted to know about more about dark spirits because I have a lot of people that call me and say, "Oh, we have a demon," and I'm like, "Well, not really. You know, demons don't haunt houses; they just don't." Yeah. Probably what they have is a is a malfeasant spirit. You know, like a you know, because someone is they were mean when they were alive when they died and don't become good all of a sudden. You know, and I've ran, run into on several occasions spirits that were were mean. And uh, demons dictate people. They possess people. They oppress people. Uh, mostly uh, the holy and the innocent. And, uh, you know, the way some possessions happen to someone is just, uh, of a satanic nature. They may ask a demon to come into their body to give them power. I mean, these are the things that we talked about. We talked about, you know, um, you know, levels of demons. There's all, I mean, it's like, <laughs> for every angel, there's a counter. There's a demon. You know, you have the guardian angel, but you also have a demon with you as well. The demon is what makes the chimps 
levels of oppression and levels of vexation and in possession, of course. St. Padre Pio, uh, he was vexated by demons. He would throw him out of bed and crack his skull on the floor. And mm. God allowed that to happen because he was strengthening his resolve, you know. God knew his faith was strong enough to receive. So a lot of holy people are vexated by demons all the time. Yeah. yeah and it's, uh, but um, pretty much uh, the course was, was very, very you know, straightforward. And, of course, you know, the church um, is a rigorous thing, you know, for someone if they, ha- if they are possessed, for them to, um, the church to actually allow an exorcism. Now today when we know about mental illness and things of that nature, but I do, when I get a lot of clients or people that call me and like, we got demons, I was like, mm, you don't have demons. <laughs> you might have a bad spirit, but you don't have demons. Demons don't possess houses or haunt houses, I should say, and they don't attach to objects. They just, they just don't. And that's what I really took the course for, was for clarification, because of some of these um, mouthings and conspiracies, DHs is what they used to call them in criminal investigation, dark, dark, dark heads. They used to call them dark heads. So, and we've, I've run into a couple of them, you know. Um, I've right. had one spirit that just does not like me upstairs. It's he just does not like me because when we met an investigation at the uh, the dependency's house on Royal, uh, well, he said he was a demon, and then he said his name was Belial to the spirit box. And Belial is like the second general in health army. Hmm. And I looked at my partners that were there, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, this is not a demon because demons don't." haunt houses and they definitely don't give you their name because if they have any other name you can control them or cast them out that's biblical and it's just it, all of a sudden everything stops you know that the feeling of being pushed down and being sick and nauseated and we have some really strong energy going on in the, on top of the dependency so we were doing those hunts there it's very very powerful stuff very strong spirit energy and you know, it just, he hates me <laughs> because I called him out, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes he'll, there's much to be afraid of them, you know? Right, yeah, they sure, they definitely have control and they, I could tolerate spirits more than some people, though, but, um, (laughs) but, you know, so that's really interesting stuff, and it seems like you learned a lot, and uh, you walked away with something from that course, and, you know, so you've investigated many locations, Michael, and some of them are places that I've actually had the pleasure to spend time at as well, including Bobby Mackey's Music World, Waverly Hills, the Myrtles Plantation, and you know, speaking of the latter, it's been over a decade since I found myself in St. Francisville, where Myrtles Plantation proudly stands, and I want to hear a little bit about your investigations there, and for those not familiar with the history behind the phenomenal location, if you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. The Myrtle's Plantation is in uh, Fayetteville, Louisiana, and um, they, it, it's an old plantation from the uh, late 1700s, I believe, and uh, the many deaths have been there. The most famous one, of course, and the most famous ghost is a slave woman named Chloe. Depending on who you talk to, she was having an affair with the master, and she was afraid that she was going to be sent out to the fields. The woman had found out. The, the wife did. And so she um, bakes a cake for one of the children, but she puts oleander in it. And she puts 
too much oleander in it. She was going to have them be sick and then nurse them back to health, proving her worth. Well, of course, the mother and the children die, and they they hang her. So that is the most famous case. So there are several more out there. And when we went to the Myrtles, we were the only uh, group to ever be able to do a public ghost hunt. That we ran out the entire plantation, and uh, so it was, yeah, we had lots of people come from all over, and. We had some phenomenal stuff happen. We had in the late we had a guy that took us through there because their furniture is I mean from the period. It's old. And of course they don't want anyone messing it up. So we had uh, we took the guide into it during the day and then um, the guests came at night and we handed all the equipment. But the thing that happened that was so cool was we were in the doll room. Now the doll room has all these dolls in it. But what's weird is is sometimes their facial expressions change. And we put in, we put a camera in there to make sure that no one was going in there and changing the dolls, right? Yeah. And when we took photographs of all of them, and then when we came back and took the second photograph, they looked like the facial expressions had changed. I mean, we are going from a smiling face to kind of like a frowning face. But what was weird is, is we had set up a spirit box in there, and uh, we had gathered some of the group together, and we were going to do a spirit box session. And the spirit box was going... And I said, is there anyone here with us? And our guest said, is there anyone here with us? And all of a sudden we heard out of the box, Chloe. Mm. Chloe is their most popular ghost. And everyone was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute, we gotta make sure this is real. And I said, if nothing happens, do we get our money back? And we waited, and we waited, and we heard, no! Everyone burst out laughing. That was probably the best evidence we caught here because it was just like, it was so responsive. It was so intelligent. Yeah. We want intelligent responses, right? And everyone laughed, and it was just, it, it hit everyone because everyone was so serious in the beginning, you know. And right. all of a sudden it was like the spirits were actually playing with us. We were, I was out, we hunted all night long, and some people went to bed, but I went in to talk to my partner, and I told her, I said, who's out in the gazebo? I, and I was like, I can hear voices out there. She goes, I don't think there's anyone out there. I said, but I thought she said there was people still hunting out there. Well, we went outside and listened, and it sounded like people were talking, so we walked out to the gazebo to make sure there wasn't, <laughs> wasn't anyone out there. And sure enough, there was no one there. We were hearing voices. We recorded voices. And it was just, the whole plantation is totally haunted. But it was fascinating. We had uh, we had like an ovulus device, and we were asking, we were getting like so many intelligent responses in these uh, women. They have like a women's day and men's day. The women's day was the hotbed of like paranormal activity. Uh, it was really, really a powerful, powerful place to go to. And we also had to have a big mirror. Uh, people took photographs of the mirror and and like you could see faces in the mirror, and but there wasn't a face. You know what I'm saying? Like take the photograph and um, you know, like a burst of photographs spirits move very quickly so uh, it was just the Myrtle Plantation was awesome it was just it was so great and uh, we did it for two weekends and the staff there was wonderful but the spirits there were even better they were just I mean yeah. like they had been waiting to play with someone you know what I mean it was right just, it was spooky it was just really spooky and everyone learned something I learned something some ladies were talking about uh, simple ways to do uh, like put something down like they put um, like a candle stick down and underneath it they put salt and they asked the spirits they could move it well then later on what happened was the next morning they got up they, they 
That is awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Myrtles is just, it's, so, it's such a great place. And they, we got an EVP, the very first EVP we got. Um, the uh, restaurant had burned down before we went up there. And um, we were doing an EVP. I turned the, the recorder on, and I was kind of talking just a minute. But when we did the playbacks, right when I turned on the um, recorder, we thought, I burned down the, I burned down the hotel. And I looked around, I was like, and I made everyone look at you. I said, tell me what you hear. And everyone had kind of, you know, corrupted. And I took it to the owner, I said, I think you have a, you know, this grunchy ghost here. I mean, it was, it was just weird. It was like an A-class EVP up and down the hotel. And I was like, we didn't even ask the question. <laughs> you know, it was just, I was letting it play for a few minutes. And then catch some heavy noise. It was just, the Myrtles are so haunted. Incredible. You go there and stay. You know, something is going to happen. And yeah. And beautiful staff. I mean, it's just amazing. It really is a hotbed of paranormal activity there. Definitely. Absolutely. You know, and Myrtles, you got to love it. It's so deep in history. It has history. It has legends. It has hauntings it has everything there you know and so even if you're not like a haunted history person or a paranormal investigator just the history alone and just the structure and just going there is worth going to and the home the home itself is like just really cool yes you know, even, even like you said if you're not into the paranormal the beliefs that they had you know about the upside down key lock Spirit mm-hmm. doors, the crosses on the, you know, the crosses on the windows to keep the spirits out. Right. The, the superstition, you know, uh, you know. Uh, so I mean, the history there is, is wonderful too. But if you're not into the paranormal, and there's something for everybody out there. In right. The yeah. Oh, correct. Absolutely, I cannot agree more with you. And so, um, from jumping from one fantastic location to the next, you know, last week I had tour guide from Bobby Mackey's Music World, Alex, on, and I've had the pleasure to chat with Bobby Mackey in the past and actually visit with him when I went there a few weeks ago. And Alex, he talked about some of the hauntings and history occurring over there in Wilder, Kentucky. And what was your experience at this neat location when you went? When we went to Bobby Mackey's, I, I didn't know anything about it, and I was researching it, you know, I was reading the, the file on it, and uh, it seemed like they were having, like, these weird, dark kind of things with the file I was reading, and I didn't really understand, I knew that there were um, people that said that there may have been some kind of, like, it was a thing like a butcher's shop, or maybe they had found some animal bones, I, could, yeah. I can't really remember what it was right now, but... The energy there was extremely dark, and, you know, I guess maybe I may have worked myself up just reading that file, and we had some weird stuff happen. I got scratched. I got scratched, and I'll never forget. It was, I was sweating. It was, uh, you know, I was physically having, you know, I was physically feeling stuff, which I never really do, unless it's hot in there, you know? Yeah. But we had, we had strange sounds. I mean, like, growling, and, of course, I got scratched, and I, you know, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know if it was something I did, or, you know, or if it was something that a spirit did, sometimes yeah. it's a scratchy, but it, it was weird, I mean, it was weird, it came up on my arm, my right arm, and then it disappeared, and I always 
like Michael says, I was sweating. No one else was experiencing what I was experiencing. I was physically experiencing something, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt ill. And as soon as I finished that prayer, it's like the room where it was dark, just kind of all the shadows like receded for me, and it was. It, it seemed like it was okay. Probably not because it's scary. <laughs> and I don't really rattle that often, but yeah. that was something that, that was an experience that I had that, it, shortly thereafter when I took the class to the epidemiology stuff, you know, I was just, you know, I was very, I don't know, I never could pin down really and truly what the history was, you know, what the real history was. Cause people, some people say this, some people say that, and, you know, but there's something out about me, Maggie's. There just is. And right. for me, it was dark. You know, for me, it was very, very dark. Right. And, uh, you know. But it was a great time. It really was. It was a good time. Yeah. No, you know, Michael, I think that when it comes to Bobby Mackey's Music World, it is a really neat location. First of all, this isn't paranormal or anything, but the the train tracks that are right behind that uh, location is where Bobby Mackey, they go through his hometown where he grew up, where his 100-year-old mom still lives. And so it's kind of like a piece of home in a different city, you know, and I always thought that was really, really cool. And I think that, you know, they have things there like Johanna, the woman whose lover was murdered. And, you know, she's more like a, a sweet soul, a sweet spirit, you know, a victim. And then you have people like uh, Scott and Alphonse who were hanged for the crime of murdering and decapitating Pearl. And people have really they believe that one or both are there. And um, obviously that would be negative, you know, being these horrendous murderers. But, and then also you have Carl, who was a dear friend of Bobby Mackey's and the city of Wilder loved him and he really loved it there. And some people have actually captured Carl via photograph evidence there, photographic. Right, so it's really a a neat place. I mean, it is a, it's it's like, it's so, it's got a power to it, you know, that that one spot. It makes me think, you know, what makes that place so more haunted than somewhere else, you know? Right. I mean, not just the the deaths that happen there, but, you know, I mean, it's it's something about, and it's it's a wonderful place. I mean, really, it's a place for the life run, too, you know, but uh, it has such strong energy there. And I don't know if I was reacting to something I may have read. That's why we, and when we do paranormal investigation, we be very careful about, you know, not fucking ourselves out. Right. And making ourselves believe in, you know, uh, you know, something that's not there. You know, and uh, it's hard to do. It's hard not to get caught up in it. And when I find myself doing stuff like that, I just have to step away and say, okay, I'm, I need to go. I need to get back into reality and start investigating and not, you know, not letting my feelings lead me as much as letting science lead me or the, you know, what's actually happening here. And that's easier said than done, though, but I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, there's times where I've found myself in trouble because I don't stop. Like, and that's so stupid, you know, and I'm the first to admit it. It's like when things are getting intense, like life situations, you know, throw our way sometimes, you got to stop, take a break, step back from it real quick. But me, I'm just like, 
no, let me get that attachment. You know, let me deal with it and I'll deal with it later. <laughs> kind of stupid, but even though I've been doing this for like 10 years, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I agree. It's a unique location. I don't know the powers of the railroad tracks and just the things happening there and the history, but it's definitely a neat place. And you guys, if you're not into the paranormal, go there to listen to the music. Bobby Mackey performs live Friday and Saturday. And I actually had the pleasure to visit with him and, and his wife privately for almost an hour and it was so cool and it was so cute because all of a sudden this music pops up and um on stage and he's like who's that on there now and somebody said something and he jumped up and ran out there as quick as could be and I'm like okay (laughs) so it was really funny but yeah if you're not into the paranormal like you know um so many other places we've talked about oh absolutely Oh, my God. Yeah, I definitely, that's on my list to go back to because I I was in such a hurry. You know, I had hundreds of miles to travel still, so we couldn't stay. But I want to make it a destination one of these times and go for a weekend and just investigate the hell out of it. And it sounds like fun. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, throughout the years of investigating, Michael, from one paranormal investigator to another, I'm sure, like me, you've gathered countless electronic voice phenomenon and what are some of your favorite evps that you have gathered i know you already shared some phenomenal ones but are there any other ones that are screaming for your attention right now <laughs> well there's one uh we were doing uh we're doing a regular best hunt and we had guests there and we always go around here you're in someone else's house right so you want to introduce yourself right you know and so we're all introducing ourselves and then we, we stopped for a little let's do a playback. And I said, Michael's here. And then I was the last one to speak. And then we heard, I'm here. I mean, it was clear as a bell on the, on the playback. <laughs> and wow. it was like, everyone's like, whoa. Another time we were sitting, uh, there, there were four girls and one guy. He was sitting to my left, the girls were to my right. And we all, we had several different devices. And this is not necessarily an EVP, it was a disembodied voice. We finished the EVP session and I was still recording. And I was like, let's go get that guy upstairs. And all, everyone was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden we heard, fuck yeah. Oh. And everyone, everyone stopped. Oh. And I said, okay, everyone shut up your recorder. And I shut mine off, and I got the one from the, it was a man's voice, I got the one from the man, I listened to it, it sounded like it was a distance away, the voice sounded like it was further away from me, and when I listened to the lady's voice, it sounded like it was right behind her. I mean, that, it, it was a disembodied voice, so I was like, whoa, <laughs> they didn't want to go upstairs then, <laughs> right. right, but we ended up getting up, we ended up going manning up and going up there anyway, though, but I mean, it's like, I mean, and it was just random. This is a random thing that happened. But let me tell you, let me tell you a little something about an EVP session. Uh, I had this group, this rock band that came on one of my ghost hunts, and they came downstairs to help us really get evidence, and it matched up with what some of the spirits there at the house would, would, would match up with their lives. We heard drunk, and I'm stuck here, and it made sense. But the next day, when I went back and I took the other recorders to go put them up and put the evidence in the computer, I listened through it, and I couldn't hear those, song, those voices anymore. Oh, interesting. Well, what had happened was, is the lady had broken the cardinal rule. She was walking around during an EV, EVP session, and her dress made it sound like it was saying, Trump. And 
Absolutely. And I, that's why it is so important, like you said, to debunk. You have to debunk when you're doing this. Not everything is paranormal, you know, and that's why whenever I'm on site and I'm investigating, I pay attention. I'm like, okay, what's around? We're by a road. Okay. So if I hear a car, if I hear something like a car horn, I could be in the middle of a sentence and I'll literally stop and just say car horn, you know? And so, because sometimes I don't listen to the evidence. I don't listen to the audio or look at the videos or look through the pictures until later on. And if I'm traveling, it could be weeks later, sometimes months, I hate to admit, embarrassingly enough, but yeah. Oh yeah. So you have to say it, you know, a dog barking in the distance, you know, it's like you, if you hear it and if you could identify it, you have to say what it is. It'll help you later on. Yeah, it gets annoying sometimes, but it is part of it. You just debunk, debunk, debunk. And so, but that is a great lesson. Absolutely. I totally agree. Before we end though, Michael, I want you to talk about your classes that you host at Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum and how can my Louisiana listeners and visitors take that class? Well, we do we do simple classes. It's usually uh, usually about two or three hours. You know, we do a little break in between. But what we do is is there's a certain book that I use that I really think is like very basic and it really explains it, it's the way I the way I do my investigations. So I think it's very well written. And we go in, we talk about the paranormal. I show them all the equipment, and explain each piece of equipment to them. And you know, so it's uh, it's a little bit intensive. And then most of the class will take place after we do, and then we do a ghost hunt afterwards. So it's kind of like a package deal. You know, they get a little education, and then we apply what we learned. That's awesome. And we really worked out really well. People find it amazing. Because my goal when I do these hunts for these people that come on the weekends, it's not to give them spirits. I can't produce a spirit. No one can. Right, yeah. I can encourage, I can encourage communication. But, uh, you know, that's all we can really do. I never know what's going to happen. I mean, I never know. I mean, it's going to be a kid in the night. But, uh, but, you know, it's tied in with the ghost hunt, too. It's like, you know, 
When these people leave, I want them to be able to go and do their own paranormal investigation. I want them to take, in the short time that I have with them, to take as much knowledge as they can and be their own investigators. Some of these people come, they have haunted houses, you know, or they are, you know, I feel like they have some form of attachment to them. And, you know, or they are just interested as a hobby. And it thrills me so much to see their faces when they're like, I can really do this. I really feel like I can do this now, you know. And I think that that's a good, that's what we do at, at Mary's, you know. It's a spirit sanctuary. The place is 200 years old, and Mary brought her haunted collection there. It was already haunted. We just got more haunted. <laughs> <laughs> and we do things like we have um, one of those spirit trumpets that was used in the Victorian period to contact spirits. Ooh. Put a recorder in there and see if we can get something, or we'll pull an object out of the haunted museum, and we'll see if we can get uh, whoever's attached to it to speak to us. And got some really, really amazing things. And uh, sometimes I'll do pop-up classes for free, just like a quick, you know, this is what ITC research means, and it'll just pop up, and it'll be like two weeks in advance, and then some, you know, it's totally free, and you think people just will come in, and we'll set up, and we'll do like a 40-minute class or something like that, because we want people to understand that spirits want to communicate with us, and not to be afraid of them. You know, some people are highly afraid of that. But I think it all really boils down to that people are really afraid of death. But there's really nothing to be afraid of. We go on. We totally go on from here. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean we totally go on. And, I mean, I'm so grateful that I'm, that I'm able to be a part of this community. Uh, and I learn stuff every day from every person. Uh, and uh, I never stop learning. And it really is good to have people like you and all the people in the paranormal community that have been so sweet to me and helped me out and given me directions and pointed me in different ways. And, you know, I'll always be a, a person who wants to learn and absorb as much knowledge as I can about it. And then, of course, you know, the hunt is the fun part, but really studying the history of it all and knowing what you're going into is a good thing, too. You know, so it's maybe a big history buff as well. So. Yeah. And you have a respect. We always respect the spirits. You know, we always respect the spirits. When I, I first started doing paranormal investigation, this is the last thing I'll tell you. Um, I was at the house. I was cleaning up, and we had just had an investigation. The spirit box was still going in. I was new. I didn't know very much about a spirit box. And I was like, hey, are there any spirits out there? And I kind of listened to her, no. Not, I said ghosts, and I said just I said I said are there ghosts there, and I said no, not ghosts. And I was like hmm. what? And I was like, well, what are you? And it sounded like a multiple of voices that said spirits, spirits, spirits. Wow. You know, it just went over several different modulations. I was like, that's weird. So it's kind of like you know that taught me like you need to be respectful to the dead. My grandmother always said, never talk to Elizabeth Judge Charlie. She used to call me Charlie. And uh, and and I believe that. If we go with love in our hearts and respect and light, they will communicate with us and they will tell us what we want to know. And I think they want to help us as much as we want to help them. And if you've ever done a crossing over ceremony, it's um, it's pretty intense you know, for everyone, not just the spirit, but for everyone in the room. And I've been to some where it's not dry in the house. You know, so it's a, it's a great thing. But just for me, it's like, you know, reality is what we're, we're looking at not not you know fantasy so you know but uh yeah thank you so much for having me on this is great i'm curious so sweet and so you know 
much love from Noah, and, you know, anytime you want to come down, we'll take you out, and we'll have a good time, and we'll go do some investigating. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, Michael, Bill, thank you so much for being on. I absolutely had a blast, too. And I found a new friend. And you're right, the paranormal community is so strong. (laughs) And the bond is like no other. And so I really appreciate your time. And we will definitely hang out in beautiful NOLA, the Big Easy someday. Absolutely. That sounds great. I'll see you soon. Absolutely had a blast talking with Michael Bill and I cannot wait to investigate with him in New Orleans. I'm sure it will be epic and you guys will hear all about it when that does happen. So mentioned earlier we have a mutual friend Kari and she is as sweet as they come and Kari had the pleasure to go on a tour that Michael had done with her and I thought it would be kind of neat to get her on to talk about that tour and some of her highlights and favorite parts of that tour. As it was this tour that happened that immediately afterwards, she said, you need to get this guy on. He is phenomenal. You will absolutely love him. So I want to hear now from my very dear, sweet, sweet friend, Kari. (laughs) (laughs) And... That lovely, sweet laugh that you guys are hearing is, of course, my sweet, sweet, dear friend, who's like a family member to me, Kari. Kari, welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Thank you, Tessa. It's just so wonderful being able to talk with you. Right back at you. You know, we got to spend some time together. As short as it was, it went so fast. But just a couple months ago, and we had so much fun. Yes, we did. It was so great. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason I have you on right now is because you actually did a tour with Michael Bill, and we want to hear all about it. What were your favorite moments? Where did you guys go? Just... (laughs) Well, Michael Bill um, knows my daughter in spirit, Christy, who um, died in 2015, and so they are friends, and when I went to New Orleans this last March in 2019, I looked him up, and so we got together, and he did a personalized ghost tour for myself and a friend who was traveling with me, and another friend who lives there in New Orleans. So there were four of us all together, and Michael came and met us, and I was just instantly charmed by him. He's so easygoing, so charming, and just funny and and smart, wise. We started walking. We met in uh, Frenchman Street, and we started walking towards the quarter. We went down to the French Market area where he told us about a haunting down there by a woman who, like, slashed the throat of her lover for betraying her. It was very creepy. Jeez, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, so he told us that as we were kind of walking right in the area where this happened. So it it was creepy. And then we walked on towards the Delory Mansion, which, you know, most people have heard of, that the woman of the mansion held people captive in chains and did 
bizarre medical experiment on them right. and very haunted house, very, very haunted. So I had known about that, but the friend that I was with didn't. So he told that whole tale and we just continued to walk around the quarter and we would pass hotels or bars or homes that he knew to be haunted. And, you know, being an actual paranormal guy and not simply just a tour guide, he really knew like where to take us. Right. And that's, that is so awesome because it's, it's neat when you go to places like New Orleans that have just so much history, jam-packed, like overflowing with history. Yes. It is neat to actually have somebody, a local there, take you to all those places. And yeah, some places that you've heard about, like the LaLaurie Mansion, but also there's like places that you hadn't heard of, like the Slice and and Dyson woman. (laughs) Nothing worse than a woman (laughs) scorned. Yes, I mean, I had not heard that one. So I haven't that either. Was, uh, <laughs> that was good, and, and, and like you mentioned, the history oh, of yes. New Orleans is just so rich and interwoven with the paranormal and the mystical and the voodoo and the, you know, all these different things coming together, and he, he knows a little of all of those things, so it was just a wonderful wonderful tour we had a great time and he ended up staying with us for a couple hours after our tour actually ended and we just kind of went around to a couple of of bars and had a couple haunted drinks and <laughs> and then said good night but he, he's lovely lovely and i can't wait to go on another tour with him next time i go to new orleans uh, because i go every year i will definitely be doing more tours with michael Absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely plan to do that too. And we both will have to meet up together at some point. So you guys, just so you know, Kari and I go back several years. And when I say several years, I mean back like in the like 90s, in the early 90s. And so she, uh, yeah, her daughter that she was just talking about earlier, she was a childhood friend of mine. And just a total sweetheart and almost saw her every single day. And we've had some actual little haunting moments ourselves, ourselves as kids, you know, and yeah, just very, very interesting stuff, you know? And so Kari real quick, what is your favorite, since we were talking about cities of the dead earlier and he mentioned quite a few cemeteries what is your favorite cemetery there, the Cities of the Dead? I haven't been to too many. I've been to three, and out of those, I really like the one up in the Garden District next, right across the street from Commander's Palace Restaurant, which is Lafayette. you definitely need to go. Lafayette, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, love that cemetery because it's it's like... In the middle of the Garden District, for one thing. But it's very quiet. Not too many tourists go there and tour groups go there. So it's not quite as kind of like overrun with that kind of energy, you know, like some of the the other cemeteries. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. And I go there every every time I'm, I'm in the city. It's just beautiful. And we actually had, I took the girlfriend from work who was traveling with me this last March to that cemetery. And it was the first time she'd ever been to a city of the dead. So, oh, wow. Um, we had to, 
to talk about that and why they buried people above ground, you know. Oh, yeah. What was going on with that and how they did that. And as we were walking around and I was kind of giving her a little bit of that, that background, this black cat came toward us. And Ooh. Yes, and I said, well, look at that. It's a kitty. And I said, hi, kitty. <laughs> she walked right over to me, and I bent down and petted her, and she, Aww. you know, wove herself in and out of my legs, <laughs> and um, it was really sweet, and then she walked and sat down right on the front of a tomb. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so she's kind of sitting there, yes, just kind of, you know, being a cat, sitting there looking around, and a couple was walking towards us, being kind of like majorly touristy he was like taking pictures of everything yeah she was yakking at him reading something out of a guidebook you know <laughs> just being kind of kind of overwhelmingly touristy if you know what I mean right yeah and the guy you know he sees the cat sitting on the, the tomb and he says oh let's get a picture of that you know so he walks over to the tomb and the cat looks up at him and he's like hi kitty and he reaches down to pet her and she like swipes <gasps> at him just meow. oh takes her claw and like i don't want to have anything to do with you meow, and goes away wow <laughs> she kind of said oh well boy i guess the cat didn't care for that person <laughs> Right. She's like, you yeah, damn paparazzi? <laughs> yeah. So ever since then, we've kind of called her our spirit cat, who kind of came to kind of hang out with us and and uh, be with us while we were there. And she didn't care for that kind of energy in her space. No, I guess not. Man, watch out. <laughs> but that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's It has a lot of incredibly beautiful statuary. Oh, can I mention one more? Absolutely. Metairie Cemetery. Oh, yes. I love Metairie Cemetery. That has to be, if I'm getting out of the quarter, if I have a ride or if I'm with a group and we're lifting or something, yeah, definitely that's my favorite. Right. Absolutely. That is a phenomenal one. And that was one of the ones that I actually touched on on the Cities of the Dead episode. And it is. It's a fantastic location. A lot of people get it confused because it's not in Metairie. It's in New Orleans. But it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a fantastic cemetery and a lot of history. And it's like, you know, you could just you could be in New Orleans for a month and still not see all the cemeteries because there's so many, you know, and there's a series of them. Like there's several St. Patrick's. There's several or there's a couple of Lafayette and St. Louis. And, you know, it just goes on and on. And they are just every single one is different with backgrounds and stories and history. And you like you said, the funeral statuary. I mean, it's just. Mm-hmm. phenomenal mind-blowing the thing i think about metairie in terms of incredible statuary that took my breath away and actually made me cry mm. was the weeping angel and yeah. people may want to google that the weeping angel at the metairie cemetery statue because she's just amazingly beautiful and seeing her in person brought me to tears and the other thing in that cemetery that, that just that total combination of history and and all that that we don't have certainly where I live here in New Mexico there's uh, the Confederate you know Jefferson Davis is there I mean that's crazy yeah no it is that's it's amazing to to see that history there for sure and 
I forgot what cemetery it was. It was past Lake Pontchartrain, so it was like oh, you know over that long bridge and mm. kind of more like in the Mandeville area, if you will. And um, my mm-hmm. namesake Tess was taking me cemetery hopping one day, something we do often when I'm there. And I don't even remember what the name of the cemetery is now. It was like an older, littler one, and it was like oh. there were like 15 Confederate. Um, burials and one, you know, in a row and they all had their little flags and just, just history, man. You know, I love it. I I love the history, you know, whether they're, you know, presidents or, or teachers or pioneers or, you know, soldiers. It's just so cool seeing who's buried at what locations, you know? Oh, it is. And, you know, our country, I know in, in chaos today, has been in chaos before, you know, yeah. and how we how we have over, overcome things. And certainly that part of our history was, you know, tragic and horrible, but also very significant to how things changed. Absolutely. Can't erase history, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, Metairie Cemetery. Love that one too. We're, we're, I think we're going to have to go cemetery um, hopping with uh, your aunt Tessa. Yeah, she. I always spent summers there. Um, so the year, all the years you knew me in New Mexico in the summer, for at least a good part of the summer, I would go out there. And she she knows where all the good places are. Kind of like Michael Bill. He knows all the good places. It's good to know those people. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to know those people. The other thing for those of your listeners who really are into more the paranormal investigation, um, Michael played for us a couple of EVPs that he had recorded. Ooh. They're at his apartment, which is right in the French Quarter. We, he invited us into his courtyard, and we sat in the courtyard and got to hear these recordings and where they were calling his name. We could very clearly hear you know, Michael Ooh. in the EVP. It was really, really cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really unique. It's really a neat feeling when you get that. You know, I've had that before too, where you get these EVPs of somebody calling your name, you know, and um, yeah. it's interesting. You know, it's there's nothing like it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, good. Well, thank you for taking your time to talk with me, Tessa. Oh, my goodness. Pleasure is always mine. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, so maybe we'll meet up in New Orleans and and Michael Bill can take us out to that cemetery he was telling you about. Yes. What a doll. Love Kari. Love her. Love her. So, again, a huge shout out to Michael Bill and to Kari. Had a great time chatting with both of you. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They're equally phenomenal. Want a weekly reminder of when the newest episodes are available for your hearing pleasure? Yes! Well, of course you do. (laughs) Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podcast Republic, Pocket Casts, Overcast, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Deezer, and just so many others. Basically, wherever you can find podcasts, you'll find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. See you next week, my lovelies. Mwah! Poor Pearl, poor girl, laid dead upon the ground. Poor Pearl.